The biggest test of the season is this weekend for the Cowgirls as they get set to take on OU. I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome into the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And yes, Oklahoma State, the Cowgirls softball team, has a huge matchup this weekend to wrap up regular season play as they take on the mighty Sooners of Oklahoma, the best team in the Big 12, the best team in the nation, and the defending champs and the odds-on favorites to repeat as the champs. They are 46-1. and They have not lost since a 4-3 th- loss against Baylor on February 19th. They have won every game since that. They are undefeated in conference play, 15-0. and They are 11-1 and on the road, 15-0 and at home, and 20-0 and at neutral site locations. They do travel to Stillwater to take on the Cowgirls, so the Cowgirls do have that advantage And Oklahoma State, who struggled recently, they lost five straight games before snapping that five-game losing streak against Texas Tech in a 10-to-1 win. A great sign for the Cowgirls in that game because the bats woke up. Ten runs was the most runs they had scored since their 9-to-1 win against Tulsa on April 11th. And uh, they hadn't scored more than two runs in that five-game losing streak. So being able to bounce back, scoring 10 runs against a fairly good Texas Tech team. But then they lost game two to Texas Texas Tech 4-3 to after having the lead in that one, heading in to the final moments of that game. And uh, that was disappointing. You thought after the bats kind of woke up winning 10-1 to that they were going to ride that in and sweep the series. But they got up 3-0 and then fell apart in the fourth when the game got tied and then lost it in extras on a walk-off in the eighth inning 4-3. to Oklahoma State left seven on base. And uh, they they were actually out hit by Texas Tech nine to five, so kind of a bad day. Despite opening up the three zero lead, Lexi Kilfoyle just kind of uh, had a bad fourth inning, and then uh, they they left her in to try to get the win in extras, and it just it just did not go the Cowgirls' way. Kilfoyle falls to twelve and four on the season. Then they rebounded because you know. So I saw that loss, and I was like, uh oh, not again. But then they rebounded, and they won 8-0 in a run rule on Sunday to finish the series. So the bats looked good again there. So I'm not sure what happened on day two, and that carried over a bit. If you look at game three of that series, Oklahoma State was no hit through the first three innings of that matchup against Texas Tech. Then the bats finally woke up. It took some things going their way uh, in the fourth inning. As uh, it was, it was a walk, and then uh, some infield singles that went their way, and then finally uh, they kind of opened some things up with three straight doubles to drive in runs, and then Wark hit the homer in the fifth inning to extend it to 8-0 and kind of secure it for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State in that game had just eight hits, so eight runs on eight hits. So it wasn't a high-hit game, but they were able to get the victory 8-0, and a great game from Kyra Aycock, who is 9-1 on the season and lowered her ERA with the, the shutout in that one. So the, the bats 
despite the two games against Texas Tech where they won, have still struggled since uh, about the middle of April, early April. And things do not get better for the Cowgirls because they now have to face OU, who is the best team all around, but the best pitching team in the nation. Oklahoma State has struggled to get hits. Well, OU... .42 ERA from their starter, .75 ERA from the number two, and a 106 ERA from their three, their third pitcher. So Oklahoma State is going to have a hard time scoring runs against the team that has been so good uh, in the circle. A uh, lot of complete games from the team, a lot of innings pitched, strikeout numbers are high, and as a team, OU has only given up 32 runs, 32 earned runs all season. They've given up two runs during the last two weeks of games. So this team is absolutely locked in, and Oklahoma State has to figure out a way to wake up against this very, very good OU team. And, you know, Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, before this losing skid started, I thought Oklahoma State could win this series. But then the bats went cold. About that Iowa State series, the bats really cooled off, and they stayed cooled off. And now they have to face a team that doesn't give up a lot of runs. If you just go and look at, at OU's schedule, over the course of the last of the last few months, or even the last month. No runs given up. They gave up two runs against KU. And then it's a shutout, a shutout, a shutout, a shutout, a shutout. Gave up one run to Miami of Ohio in a 13-1 win. One run to Louisville in a 10-1 win on April 15th. And then after that, shutout, 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 shutout. And then two runs to Texas in a 10-2 win. Their closest game in which they gave up runs was on the 1st of April, 4-3, a win against Texas. Outside of that, 7-1 games, 14-0 games, 16-0 games. So OU doesn't allow opponents to get on base. They don't allow opponents to score, and they'll score 10 or more on you like it's nothing. And so Oklahoma State has to figure out whatever has been the issue. And they have a nice three-game sample to look at. So whatever they did on the first game of Saturday in that doubleheader and what they did in the game on Sunday, they have to look at and see what did we do different, how did we approach the plate, and maybe game two of the doubleheader, that was just the case there. It's a doubleheader, and that's what caused it. There's one game in between North Texas, and then it's the three-game series against OU. So we'll see how they do against North Texas. They didn't play North Texas great the first time around. They won 2-0. So they got the shutout, but they only scored two runs. So the Cowgirls have got to figure out the run scoring part of this. And when you look at the statistics, you would not think that this team was struggling to score runs with how everyone is hit. You've got the freshman Talon Edwards batting 326. 
Then you've got Caitlin Carwell, 336. Wark, 343. Factor, 375. Naomi, 375. Rachel Becker, 462. Naomi's got 10 home runs on the season. She's driven in 53 runs. Work has driven in 45 runs. So it's not like they don't have hitters. They don't have girls that can drive in runs. It's for whatever reason over the course of the last month, it has been like they're asleep in the batter's box when there's players up. And Gajewski's talked about it a bit, and they've worked on it. But you're at the point of the season, and this happened last year. The team lulled for a bit. But you're at the point of the season, you cannot lull. There is no, there is no. Oh, we'll get them next time. You got four games left in the regular season, and then you're into the Big Twelve play, and you want to host a super regional. Right now, I think they they do. They're a top six team. They're third in the Big Twelve behind Texas and OU. That was what so was so critical about losing the three game series and getting swept by Texas, because that moved you to number two in the Big Twelve. But they're still a top six team, according to ESPN. They're gonna. They're more than likely gonna host a super regional, and get back to Oklahoma City with a chance to win the College World Series. But they have got to wake up in the batter box. They have to. Point blank end of story. There's no and ifs or buts about it. They have to hit better and hit better in critical moments. And we got a taste of that. Ten runs in game one against Texas Tech. Eight runs in game three against Texas Tech. But you still have that middle game, that game two, where you didn't hit. And again, you can say a doubleheader. Maybe that caused it. Sure. We know they have the pitching. They're going to limit opponents to low scores. They rarely get beat up when when they do lose. Eight runs against Wichita State is the most they've given up uh, all season to a team. So they we know pitching is going to be there even against a team like OU that hits as well as they do we know pitching is going to be there the pitching staff has been such a strong point of this team uh, obviously we know about Kelly Maxwell 147 ERA she struck out 180 batters in 109 innings pitched and then there's Lexi Kilfoyle with a 174 ERA and 104 and two-thirds of an innings pitched and 105 strikeouts. And then Kyra Acock, who doesn't do it with the strikeout, and she's pitched less innings. She's got 57 strikeouts and 79 and two-thirds. With a 2-2 ERA. She's been great. She limits the uh, the hits. She limits walks. And she's just been very good as a freshman. I am so excited to see how she grows and progresses with Oklahoma State as uh, they, you know she's going to be a stud on the team as the years go on. And and honestly, Ivy Rosenberry, who struggled a bit earlier this season as a junior, has really kind of settled in with a 2-3-3 ERA and 36 innings pitched. And the limited work that she's gotten, I have, think she's going to have a bright future in the year that they'll have her next year. So the pitching is great. We know that they can handle OU's hitting. I, I, I don't think OU runs away with any of these games. Uh, I was talking to my buddy, Brian, who, who's a big OU fan, writes for Heartland College Sports, and I said, probably going to, you know, if we get swept, I bet it's 2-0, 2-0, Something along those lines. I, I was saying earlier I wanted to take two of three. I wanted to sweep. I thought we could do that. I thought we could handle that. I, I don't think so as much now. I'd like to see them take one game, steal a game, 
you know, you come out, play really well, you hit really well, and Maxwell pitches really well, and you can win game one, and then maybe steal the game with Killfoil. Maybe you can get the game with Acock. I don't know, but I just win one game. Mako, you lose the second game this season, and I think I will feel better about this team. Or if you come out and make these games competitive, and you're you're getting people on base, and you're scoring runs, and you're you're losing three two, and I know moral victories, right? But they need to show some signs of life against what is the best opponent and what is the team that they have to beat if they want to win a College World Series. And this team has all the tools to win a College World Series. I've talked about it all season long. They have the leadership. They have the hitting. They have the pitching, even though the hitting has been kind of absent as of late. This team can 100% win a College World Series, and they have to wake up. And I hope OU is the team to wake them up. Uh, Last year, OU lost to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. And Patty Gasso said that that was their wake-up call. That woke them up, and they didn't lose again. They dominated the rest of the, the, the playoffs and won the national championship. So maybe this is the reverse for us, and this wakes Oklahoma State up. That will be remain to seen with the weekend series this, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Games that are going to be televised, ESPN2, ESPN, and then ESPN+. Plus. So you can watch them um, at least the first two games because uh, it is it should have been one versus two. I'll take one versus six, though, and we'll see how these games go. Looking at baseball, baseball was a little bit of an opposite. The, the softball lost five in a row. Baseball had won five in a row. They extended that to seven in a row, and then that winning streak ended against ORU last night as they fell to Oral Roberts 9-7, and it was the bullpen again, and I've talked about it, that bullpen has been the Achilles heel for the Cowboys where they have control of games and then they just kind of fall apart. They opened up a 5-0 lead with some home runs, some good hitting because the team can hit all over the place, full of great hitters, led by Riggio, uh, who homered in the fifth. 5-0 lead, and they got a really great outing from Carson Binge, who through five innings of one-run baseball. They brought him back out for the sixth. They gave up two runs. They pulled him, and then things got away. Evan O'Toole got out of the fifth after the game got made 5-3, but then things got away from the Cowboys in the seventh uh, where they saw their lead go from 5-3 to a losing 7-5, to and eventually it got stretched to 9-5 in the eighth. Oklahoma State tried to make a little bit of a comeback, Riggio tried to, you know, spark a little bit of a comeback, cut it 9-7, but just didn't have enough and fell second time this season to ORU. The good news for the Cowboys is they're back home. They haven't been home since April 18th, which they played OU. They won that game 19-8. They're back at home taking on East Tennessee State, and then they uh, will stay at home. Uh, before heading to Norman. So East three-game series against East Tennessee State this weekend, three-game series against K-State next weekend, and then wrapping up the season on the 18th, 19th, and 20th in Norman against OU. Certainly, you got to think, you can win all of these series heading into the final three series of the season, 
and set yourself up in a better spot. Because if you're looking, nine games left, and if you can, you know, go seven and two, six and three, nine and zero, oh, you're gonna set yourself up for a much better spot. Especially if you're a good showing in the Big Twelve uh, tournament when it comes to the postseason. And looking at the their opponents, East Tennessee State is twenty and twenty two. Certainly at home at O'Brate, you can pull off the sweep. Start this three and zero. Then you're back in conference play, taking on K State and the Batcats, who have been a little up and down this season. Twenty eight and eighteen. They've uh, eleven and seven in conference play. They've they've kind of been similar to Oklahoma State, where they they have some nice runs and and they kind of go back and forth. And uh, they've played some fun games. The uh, twenty one eighteen game against KU, little rivalry game. They also have lost to uh, Wichita State this year. They actually the best their best series just came against Texas Tech, where they took two of three. So. Uh, K-State, been a little up and down, but you got to think, win that series, you're at home. So at that point, what, you're 5-1 and one heading into the series against OU to end the season, and you win that series, you finish 7-2, and two, and you got to feel pretty good heading in to the Big 12 tournament. And if we look at the Big 12 standings, Oklahoma State currently right now sets it second with K-State right behind them. So that just shows how important that series is against K-State before you face OU and OU down a little bit nine and nine in conference play, but uh, Bedlam you always want to win. And you know West Virginia, uh, looking looking at uh, West Virginia, if they have a little bit of a rough stretch, uh, they're eleven and four. Oklahoma State could certainly close that gap a little bit, and they have to end their season against Texas Tech in Texas. So there is a very real possibility you go seven and two the rest of the season with uh, five of those games being in conference play. And if you only pick up one or two losses in conference play, there's a very real chance that the Cowboys win the Big 12 and are the one seed heading into the Big 12 championship. So it's the last nine games are so important for setting it up. And, you know, you want to host a regional, you want to host a super regional, you want to get back to Omaha for the College World Series. So, pitching has to wake up. It's funny because it's the opposite. When you look at both these teams, Oklahoma State Cowboys baseball, Oklahoma State Cowgirls softball, the Cowgirls softball team pitches like nobody else. They're so good in the circle, and hitting has struggled. And then when you look at the Cowboys baseball team, the hitting is phenomenal. Guys hitting home runs left and right, multiple home runs a game. But the pitching just can't keep up. And even when the starter has a good outing, five and a third, three runs is a phenomenal outing in college baseball. Then the bullpen gets lit up. So if they want to have a little talk, I don't know, talk amongst themselves, figure it out. But if pitching can pick it up, especially out of the bullpen for the Cowboys, they have a real good opportunity to put themselves in a place to play in the College World Series. And if the hitting can pick it up for the Cowgirls, they have a real chance to win the College World Series. So Diamond Sports, for Oklahoma State fans, looks great as we round out the season here in the month of May. 
And as we round out the podcast, we'll talk a little bit. I just want to hit on some few things football-related as uh, the draft happened, the NFL draft. Two Oklahoma State players were selected. Uh, Defensive end Tyler Lacey goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fourth round at pick 130. I like this pick for the Jags. I like this pick for Lacey. Um, We've seen kind of the impact like Emmanuel Ogba has made. Uh, for the Chiefs and for the Dolphins. I think Lacey can make an impact for the Jags, a team that are is on the rise. And a fourth-round pick on a defensive end is a great selection for a guy that can, can if he has a good uh, preseason, has a good uh, mini-season, mini-camps, I should say, he should find himself starting uh, in, a, in a team that uh, could use some defensive help. And they're the best team in that division. So Lacey's at least looking like he's on a playoff team. And then safety Jason Taylor the second went to my favorite NFL team, the Los Angeles Rams. Seventh-round pick, 234th overall. And Rams or uh, Cowboys fans might be thinking, well, that's really low. The Rams do great work with late-drafted safeties. They, the, no one is better in the NFL at finding l- good talent not great talent but good talent late that they can plug they can play and uh generally uh, rams players they don't rams don't resign but they get them a bag for some other team um so i like the taylor pick uh i should have been gone higher but i'm glad he went to the rams uh and then free agent wise Braden johnson signed with the buffalo bills uh brock martin signed with the raiders i'd like to see if martin as an undrafted free agent can make some noise uh, in Las Vegas, and then another Rams, uh, my Rams picking up another Oklahoma State player, Tanner Brown, and the Rams don't have a kicker. Uh, no kicker, no punter, no long snapper on the Rams as they headed into the draft, but signed Tanner Brown, so I'm excited about that. I think he has a good possibility to win that job out of camp and, and be the Rams kicker this year, filling in some big shoes because they lost Matt Gay. So that has been the Pokes podcast here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. If I could ask, leave a review, five stars wherever you listen to your podcast, share it with a friend, and thanks for listening.